Welcome to the Funeral Fact Podcast. Our goal is to lift the veil of mystery from funeral customs and traditions for our listeners around the globe. I'm your host, Jeff Casper, and I wanted to welcome all of our new subscribers now in 36 countries around the world. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Music Store, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. You can subscribe with just one click at our website, which is funeralfact.com. And of course, I love to hear from our listeners, so feel free to email me at jeff at funeralfact.com. Today, we're going to be exploring Hawaiian funeral and burial customs and traditions. Joining us today is John Ornelas with the Hawaiian Memorial Park. John has been with the Hawaiian Memorial Park and Valley of the Temples Memorial Park for 18 years, serving as a funeral director. He knows the funeral industry inside and out, and he served in so many roles in his nearly two decades with the company. Welcome, John. It's great to have you. Aloha, Jeff. Thank you for having aloha. me. Aloha. I guess we're supposed to say aloha. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, aloha. So, John, I'm, I'm just curious, what led you to uh, work in the funeral industry? You know, basically, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, growing up, actually, my godparents owned a mortuary. They were the second generation, and their children were the third generation uh, in the funeral industry. And I, at that time, was a professional child. I managed the kite shop in Hawaii's largest mall. I got to play with toys and fly around the world playing with kites, but I was always encouraged to get, quote, a real job. So uh, finally, when the time came, I went to work for them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, you did get a real job, but I, I, I have to laugh because I think every parent has had uh, – or a number of parents I did certainly with my daughter. So, you know, it's time now to okay. You've you've had your fun. Now let's you know put put uh, your that on hold and and you know grow up a little bit and get a quote unquote real job. Um, yeah. Well, tell us about the uh, Hawaiian Memorial Park. Now, how how long has it been around? And well, Hawaiian Memorial Park was established in the fifties. But I work mostly out of our Valley of the Temples Memorial Park. And this facility was established in 1963 by Paul Truesdale. Uh, he was a, a real estate mogul who developed, uh, most notably known for developing Truesdale Estates in Beverly Hills. Uh, our cemetery here and park at Valley of the Temples is over 240 acres. And it's not religiously tied to any one denomination. Uh, it is one of the most visited sites on Oahu with over 300,000 visitors a year to our cemetery. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. And they come because of the beauty and something else here. Uh, we're, we're situated right up against the lush Ko'olau Mountains, uh, one of the two mountain ranges that form the island of Oahu. Uh, our most popular site here is a replica, actually, of a 900-year-old Phoenix Hall of the Byoro-in Temple in Uji, Japan. Um, our temple was built in 1968 to commemorate the 100th year anniversary 
of the arrival of the Japan, Japanese sugarcane and pineapple plantation workers. Wow. Uh, it's, it's unique in that it houses uh, a nine-foot wooden Amida Buddha, and it is covered in gold leaf. And I believe at one time, and it still might be, the largest of its kind outside of Japan. Um, we have Amazing. on the property, yeah, it, it's, it's a sight to, be, to behold. Um, we have a three-ton brass peace bell and koi ponds and a meditation garden that surrounds the temple. It's a, it's a tourist attraction unto itself. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it, it sounds like in just such a, a beautiful setting. What a, a great opportunity it, to uh, uh, work in that kind of environment. If it gets stressful, you uh, can go and you know, relax and meditate. And, and it's right next it, door, literally in the, in the park. Yes, it's very serene, and it actually is a, a working mausoleum as well. There are niches there that people can have their cremated remains placed in. Um, elsewhere in our cemetery, we have you know some notable people here. Uh, every person who's buried here is notable, and you know the center of somebody's family and world. Mm-hmm. But one of the gentlemen here is Walter Dillingham. He was an industrialist who was responsible for helping shape Honolulu. Uh, prior to statehood. And we also had uh, former President Marcos of the Philippines, mm. and he was here until he was allowed back to his final resting place in the Philippines. And then okay. I'm sure people have seen our cemetery uh, on the small and big screens. Uh, it appeared in Hawaii Five O, Magnum P.I., uh, the movie Pearl Harbor, the series Lost, and... Some people might remember Sequest DSV. <laughs> Just I do too. Few. That's good. Okay, there's there's two of us at least. Yeah, I do remember that. Show. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it is a great place to be. Well, and, and and it sounds like certainly with that many visitors, you encourage people to come and and pay their respects uh, if they obviously if they have someone there, but if they just want to enjoy the beauty and serenity of of your grounds, I mean that's a I mean that's over two hundred acres. That's absolutely huge. Um, it and amazing. It is now. Um, it is, it is. Totally different or off to a side. Are, are most of your uh, uh, do you have mostly um, um, direct crem- or cremations, or or do you uh, have burials still? No, we have uh, quite a few burials still. Um, okay. Our our property is large, as you know, and we can expand. And so, just recently, they completed a, a new section for uh, in ground burials. So we have a a, a good mix of internments of cremation and body burials here now i i'm cheating because i read in my notes uh, you're a native hawaiian um so how did you learn about uh, hawaiian customs and traditions sure yep i am part hawaiian and a whole bunch of other things as a lot of people are here in hawaii but uh my mother actually received her degree from the university of hawaii in anthropology and she was very interested in Hawaiian history and ancient structures and archaeology. So she used to take us on what we thought were vacations, but I think she was working. (laughs) (laughs) But she would educate us on all these ancient sites and practices, and we would, you know, we'd go out into these lava fields, and she'd go, why don't you guys make rubbings of those petroglyphs? And 
you know, we're a bunch of little kids. So, yeah, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and we did all this work for her, I think. <laughs> but uh, once I started working at the mortuary, I couldn't help but want to know, know more about the Hawaiian practices and, and as as well as all the other cultures that we help. So I just asked a lot of questions, read some of my mom's books, and just dove into it. <laughs> well, um, can you tell me a little bit, is there a... Um... Uh, Hawaiian philosophy on death, um, and, and as an example, uh, with Buddhism, um, you uh, they you know they, they they believe in reincarnation, and and uh, some others know they believe you go to to uh, a heaven or some other place. Uh, is there anything specific to the Hawaiian peoples? Uh, absolutely, it's, it's it's kind of a long answer, and to kind of give you that answer, I have to give you a little bit of the cultural history of Hawaii. Um, in pre-missionary times, there was actually a population of about a million people here in Hawaii, a million Hawaiians. Wow. And they were governed by uh, a king or kings uh, called Moi, uh, M-O-I. And they were ultimately responsible for everyone below. They provided them their safety, places to farm and fish, uh, developed homes. He was responsible for taxing them uh, and also conducted war. Under mm-hmm. each moi, there were two advisors, uh, uh, Kalai Moku, who was his chief minister, and then uh, Kahuna Nui, who was his high priest. And below each of those people, there were ali'i, and they were uh, the advisors to the king, and they had all their advisors and attendants. So that was your your kind of your ruling class. And there were also the kahuna class, which were the priests. And in current terms, people call them a priest, but they would be more like a, kind of like a doctor. They were highly skilled craftsmen at medicine, canoe building, farming, spiritual, and the list kind of goes on. And so that's, that's your upper crust people. And below them were really the largest group, which were called the maka ainana, or the common people. Uh, they were the laborers, farmers, fishermen. They produced all the goods. They were taxed by the moi and allowed to keep one-third of what they grew or developed uh, for themselves. They would fight for the king, um, but they had a lot of rights. They had the right to move freely between areas, and they could you know, rebel if they felt their ali'i or their rulers over them were unfair. Uh, and mm. then there was an, an outcast group of people who were actually born into that. Once you were labeled an outcast, uh, I think they were called kawa, you, it was hard to get out of that level of servitude, basically. But so in regarding death, there's really, I'm going to lump everybody into the royalty and then the commoners. And so, because there's different practices for each. Um, death was viewed basically as really an act unto itself in that it had its own time. You could not stop it. You could not rush it. Uh, natural causes, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you die, you would leave your body, your spirit would leave your body, and it would go to assist your God or Akua uh, here on earth. So your spirit stayed here on earth to assist your God. And it would go to one of several places, depending on what God, the Hawaiians had many gods, so depending on what god, it could be the volcano, 
It could be the sun, the moon, or the ocean, or the plains. Uh, and if you were not a good person and you had an evil soul, you became a wandering spirit who mm. would wander the earth and do mischievous things. So oh. that was their belief in death, what happened to you. Interesting. Um, and now, did the did those the priests who advised the king are they the ones that came up with uh, this notion and then it was passed on as as each you know king may have uh, passed away and then you know you have a new king um, is there like an origin I guess an origin point there 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 probably is an origin point um, Hawaiian history was passed down verbally so okay. It so takes a lot of work to glean where it came from, but uh, they were very good at passing down their oral history, and they were actually quite rigid at maintaining laws and order, and that was the only way you'd be able to support a million people. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, ac across the islands, it wasn't like today where you can get on a plane and fly for 30 minutes and you're on the next island, and I would imagine it would have been <laughs> quite a journey. Yeah, it was an arduous journey by canoe. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, uh, we're actually up against our break. Uh, it's amazing how quickly time flies. Uh, but we'll be back in, in a couple of minutes and continue our uh, discussion. Uh, listeners, don't go away. As I said, we'll be right back. Don't forget to visit FuneralFact.com to subscribe with just one click on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. And you'll also be able to find information on how to contact our guests and for upcoming shows. We will be right back after these messages. In the wake of a disaster, what one thing can you send that will help people the most? A blanket, a tent, a sandbag, a doctor. Actually, if you send a monetary donation, you send all these things. Even a small donation can make a big impact and can quickly become exactly what people affected by disaster need most. In the wake of a hurricane, your monetary donation can make a huge difference to those in need. To donate, visit supporthurricanerelief.org. That's supporthurricanerelief.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. We are this close. We're this close. We are this close. Of our entity to making history. This close to changing the world. We are this close. this close, this close to making sure no child suffers a crippling disease ever again. This close. We are this close to ending polio. To ending polio. All we need is you. Is you. This close. If we donate now, we may lose this chance forever. Help Rotary make history at endpolionow.org. Moore's Mission Funeral Home asks, how do you want to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as somebody who treated people with love and respect. I'd like to be remembered as someone who brought happiness to others. I'd like to be remembered as someone who made other people feel important. I want to be remembered as the sunshine gal, who was a compassionate listener with unconditional love. I would like to be remembered as a loving husband and father. I'd like to be remembered as the one that was fun and loving. How would you like to be remembered? And who will tell your story? Start to tell your unique personal story by calling Moore's Mission Funeral Home in Concord at 925-682-1100. 
It's your story to tell. What will be said about you? Call Moore's Mission Funeral Home at 925-682-1100. Let us help tell your story. Licensed California Funeral Home, CAFD-873. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. We are back, and we're going to uh, be continuing our conversation with John. Um, we have covered a lot of ground so far, but we still have a lot to continue to cover. So uh, let's get right back into the swing of things. So um, we had talked before the break about uh, you know the Hawaiian philosophy of of death and dying. So did they have any? Uh, customs or traditions once someone had passed away uh, for instance in in some different religions you've only got so much time uh, to transpire before you um, you know have the funeral or or other services oh uh, yes they absolutely they did Um, and they were handled differently between the classes Uh, for example with the death of an elite or uh, a ruler there was a longer period of mourning, uh, and the preparation was obviously much more extensive than a commoner. Um, whenever a death occurred, regardless of their caste, uh, in a house, or they called that a holly, there was a, a kapu placed. And a kapu is uh, uh, something that was imposed, a time of forbidding or a way to say to stay out, to stay away. Um, this period was obviously shorter for commoners. Um, During this period, no contact was allowed with the house. Hmm. Uh, There would be no loud noises, no wailing, because it was believed that the spirit would still linger after you have passed. And if there was a loud noise, you would scare it off. Oh, okay. This kapu, yeah, it's unusual. This kapu was also helped uh, to prevent the spread of illnesses. Uh, It did prevented, this is a unique thing to Hawaii, it prevented anyone from taking your mana. And the word mana translates to your divine power. Um, And it also gave the family time to mourn peacefully on their own, so during this kapu period. Uh, Once this period was over, then the, the body was washed with salt water. It was wiped down and clothed in traditional materials. Uh, an ali'i or a ruling class, they were also rubbed with a grated tea plant root, and that helped preserve the body. And they were also covered with silk of the tree fern, and then they were dressed in much finer uh, garments. Mm-hmm. Um, also, following the kapu, there was a time for grieving. It was called a haumia, and there would be a wailing, and you would hear somebody say, and I'm going to, it kind of how they would they would be yelling away and it's a a formal way of crying and 
people would come and approach the house or hale and they would be crying. Uh, during this time of grieving, there would be some self-mutilation, you know, such as cutting your hair really terribly, or mm-hmm. work. You know, some people would knock out teeth. Mm. So it was a, it's an unusual practice. Um, during this grieving time, there was also time set aside for storytelling uh, of the one who's passed, and Hawaiian history was very verbal. It was passed on through storytelling. This kept the spirit alive and allowed you to ex- express your grief. Um, this period usually lasts up to three days for a commoner, uh, and like I said, more for a, a, an ali'i. Um, this time period also was there to prevent people from burying someone who the family thought you know, might not have been dead. Mm-hmm. So back then, mm-hmm. obviously, there, there are no EKG machines. <laughs> right. So right. you wanted to that's... make sure that someone actually passed. Yeah, um, that's when you would hear some. Yeah, it's. No, it's it's yeah, it's it, it, it's common. Yeah. Actually, it's it's amazing. And I, we we just did a a show which we haven't released yet on uh, some Irish um, uh, customs and traditions. And uh, the wake was the same thing. You were you were basically standing vigil to make sure they didn't wake up. Um, so it's, it's, you know, here we are half a world away and similar traditions. So that's, that is interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's fantastic. I, I, I love that type of thing. Um, you know, people would prepare a feast. The family would prepare a feast. Un, unlike today, uh, for mourners who came to your house or holiday and visited and they could partake of it. They weren't required to, but you had to prepare something for people who oftentimes, for an ali'i, would travel between islands, which would take days on a canoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so once everybody had their fill and this mourning period was done, the, the body of a commoner was uh, prepared, and they were pulled into, mo- a lot of them, into like a fetal-like position with their knees towards their chest. Uh, they were, the body would then be wrapped in a, a bark cloth called kappa or mm-hmm. a mat made out of the pandanus leaf, the hala tree. Um, this person was, commoners were traditionally laid in the ground, and occasionally they were uh, in a cave. And they would be lying in the ground facing the sky. Um, this type of burial actually occurred at night, and it was only done by men. Women were not allowed to participate in the burial. Hmm. Um, the men who carried this person the bearers were all sprinkled with salt water to cleanse them. And as well as the house, the hale was sprinkled with salt water to drive away the spirit. And it was to prevent that spirit from returning back to the house. They needed to move on. Um, oh, so you even would bring uh, items of food that were left for the dead uh, at, at the gravesite so that, to ensure that the spirit would follow and stay there. Um, for an ali'i, for the ruling class, um, after the, the spirit had left the body, uh, it was a little bit different. Um, they weren't buried in, in uh, an easily accessible place. Uh, a shallow pit was dug, and large enough to hold the body, and it was lined with the tree fern, the hapu'u fern leaves, or tea leaves, or banana leaves. And then a bonfire was actually lit over the body and maintained for 12 hours. Uh, once this was completed, the, it was allowed to cool. And at this point, 
the flesh was easily removed from the bones. And once they did that, the bones were called the evi. And whatever entrails and flesh were left over, those were placed in a calabash or a large bowl made out of a Hawaiian hardwood. And the evi or bones were wrapped in a kapa, which is that bark cloth. Mm-hmm. Or even uh, something that was quite unique is a not unique to Hawaii, but it's it's really interesting to see is a senate casket. They were uh, woven and they resembled sarcophagi and resembled the person. And so it was it was really neat. There are not many of those examples available, and they're in the museums. But mm-hmm. it's a, a neat thing to see. Um, these sarcophagi and the evi were carried up to a cave uh, and they were by trusted retainers who were uh, often said to have actually killed themselves once the task was done or somebody else was assigned to kill them once the task was completed, uh, which is kind of a phenomenal thing to think that here are people taking you to your final resting place and then they had to kill themselves or they had to be killed themselves. Right. Um, you go through a lot of funeral directors that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this was done actually to conceal the location of the LEE. You know, okay. you don't want anybody to get at their bones. Um, if these EV or bones fell into the hands of your enemy, because they were important, that person could get your mana or your spiritual power and use it for themselves. And this kind of leads to an interesting fact that, well, it's maybe a fact, but people believe that Captain Cook was killed and eaten once the Ali'i decided that he was not a god after his ships had returned to the Hawaiian Islands the third time. And oh. so the belief is that they were trying to, well, just in case he was a god, we want his mana. <laughs> Interesting. So they weren't sure, but yeah. they wanted to make sure. <laughs> just just in case. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll hedge our bets on this one, I guess. But, uh, well, and, and <laughs> you know, that the practice, though, of where whoever brought you to your final resting place uh, would either be killed or kill themselves. Uh, that's also uh, uh, predominant in the Egyptian uh, with the pharaohs. Um, you know, they sealed the, the workers inside. And, of course, I don't know what happened to the people yeah. that sealed them inside. But, um, you know, so that, it again, it, it fascinates me how different practices Trent, you know, have have developed simultaneously, I guess, uh, in different yeah, cultures, yep. and that's you know that's even China. Servants so, were taken with their their rulers. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the secrets, no no tell all books, nothing. It's you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, is there a was there a special uh, funeral or or that type of a, a ceremony that went along with all of this? Or, uh, you know, for instance, uh, as we're recording this uh, next week, um, the King of Thailand passed away a year ago, and now they are beginning uh, or ending the mourning process and, and beginning their cremation uh, ceremonies and whatnot. It, this all happened relatively quickly. Like like I said, for commoners, it would occur within three days, after the third day at the latest. Okay. Yeah, uh, for so. an ali'i, a little longer, because it gives people a chance to come and uh, pay their respects to the, the ali'i or the moi or the king. Uh, but it, it, it didn't linger. So it wasn't like a year later there was another uh, activity 
or event that would happen. It it was something that, you know, your spirit needs to move on and assist your your God. And so things needed to be done. Uh, life in the community had to move on. <laughs> right. Well, no. It, and, and that's, I mean, you know, they set a time for the family to mourn privately. Then they set a time for... Uh, the public to or friends and family to to come and and mourn together, and then it's time to, you know, pres- proceed and go forward. I, I mean that that makes sense. Um, and yeah. I mean I guess what fascinates me is that particularly when you think of trying to get a hold of of folks on a different island or on another island. You, you, like you said, you're talking about it's not just a quick hop; it's it's days in a canoe. Yeah. So to get the yeah. word over and then get the word back, I mean that that alone can take uh, a number of of days. So again, that, that's no, fascinating to me. No coconut wireless network. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so now, when they had the funeral, were there any specific? Um, activities or actions that they they took as far as that or or was it you know once they had placed it and i'll use the king as an example once they had placed him in the wicker casket uh then you know they were and put him up in in the cave that was it it was over with and everybody went on that that was it yeah he was whisked away um to this day you know nobody really knows there is probably a family who knows, but 99.999% of the people in Hawaii have no idea where, for example, the greatest king, King Kamehameha, is, his remains are. There is a family who's responsible for that. I'm sure there is that are known to keep it secret, but they will not divulge that because he is so important. So it, once everything happened, poof, all information is lost. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was done. Well, I mean, and, you know, the, you, you, given the belief of people coming back and assisting um, the folks here on, on Earth, um, you wouldn't want their, those things dis- disturbed, their remains uh, disturbed. Yeah. Um, now, I'm curious because, uh, for instance, um, uh, some of us have participated in in funerals uh, that are where you actually, or I guess it would be more remembrances, uh, where you go out into the ocean on a surfboard and you have uh, uh, someone's cremated remains. And I think maybe millions of people have seen, um, I believe it was, um, is at his funeral as part of a music video for uh, um, Oh yeah, uh, What a Wonderful yeah. World. Um, now, is that part of a Hawaiian customer? Is that something that has come up? Uh, with surfers is, or, or later? Yeah, that is a, that's a Hawaiian tradition now. Uh, I would say, I guess you could say a, a modern tradition. Um, you know, the, the, that example of Brother Is, you know, anybody can go on YouTube and look up Brother Is, or his name is Israel Kamaka Viva Ole. And, um, uh, you notice that I let you say his last name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we committals in Hawaii, and we'll, we'll kind of, jump around but committals in hawaii using that example you know are really varied um so there's no traditional hawaiian services now that happen on a regular basis Uh, Mm -hmm. but 
in I can say in 2015, um, Hawaii's governor, Governor Ige, uh, signed into law that Hawaiians could practice um, their traditional burial practices. Uh, it was actually illegal prior to that. Um, oh wow! Because of health and sanitation practices. Once the missionaries came over and uh, a, a lot of Hawaiian traditions and customs were were abolished. And only recently, you know, in 2015, was that legalized. So a family could take their loved one to a mortuary. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed to make a pit in your yard. You'd right. have to take them to the mortuary, and they would do a partial cremation where the flesh has been removed from the body. So all that you have left are the EV and the bones, and the family can take those bones, prepare them properly, honor them, and bury them without having to be in a vault in the ground so that their mana, which is contained in those bones, their spiritualness can dissolve into the ground and part of the earth and nourish everybody else. So that's something that's new, you know, as of 2015. And we as a mortuary have not had anyone ask us to do that, but it's not common knowledge, I think, that people don't know that you can do that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, it's it just a couple of years old at, at this point. And so um, yeah, uh, oftentimes people don't, you know, um, advertise it or, or publicize it. Uh, and we've done uh, some uh, shows on uh, uh, conservation burials um, with a number mm, of, yep. of, you know, uh, uh, conservancies that and and actually it's when you mentioned the the wicker type casket uh, that's one of the options that they recommend uh or a uh, shroud uh, because of course yeah. it's biodeg- biodegradable you get to go right back into the to the earth and and uh, nourish other plants so yeah, they call them green burials that's right yeah that's uh, yeah but yep. it was it was interesting because we you know have, have spoke with a couple of different uh organizations about that and, and one used the term conservation barrels the other called it green burial and and so uh, the two are really intermingled i believe um now yeah. were there any um specific um oh i i guess i'd say customs that are observed today that if I was uh, observing that I might feel a bit uncomfortable if I was perhaps had a friend who had, had passed away and I go to Hawaii to their their services is there anything that that would stand out or you know I might want to be prepared for well, ab- absolutely um, <laughs> the one thing that you'll hear and see at a traditional Hawaiian funeral service um, is that a way or the wailing? Um, mm-hmm. Some some groups of people have like professional wailers, and some people are are like that. Their their job is to come to that service and to express the deepest sorrow that they can. So you you'll walk in, you'll be in the chapel, and somebody will walk in and start, you know, not screaming but very loudly and forcefully saying away away. Like I am so sad. I'm so sad. Um, and so some people might get caught a little bit off by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is another chant that doesn't happen a lot, but uh, I was fortunate to witness this at my, my wife's funeral, is that there is a chant where you will call out to 
your loved one's ancestors. And you have to call them out very forcibly um, to come and take that spirit to its proper place. It's loud. It almost seems angry, and it's usually done by a man, but not necessarily. And so you'll be standing around, and all of a sudden, somebody will be in the back of the chapel, seem like they're yelling, and they're yelling towards the front. But what they're actually doing is calling that person's ancestors that, hey, your loved one has died. It is time for you to come and take them away to where they need to be, to take their spirit on. And uh, as I said, my wife was three-quarter Hawaiian, and I got to witness this at her funeral, and it was, uh, as we say in Hawaii, it gives you chicken skin or goosebumps. It was an Mm -hmm. uh, uh, thing to witness. I, I I can just imagine um, uh, what, and I've I've been in situations uh, personally where I have um, uh, heard some Hawaiian chants, and and those are uh, we, obviously not for uh, a funeral, but just he, listening to uh, the tonality of of the chanter or cantor. Uh, was uh, it was very moving for me personally, and so I, I can imagine what it must have been for you and the other folks that were there to to experience that. Uh, oh, it how was do, remarkable. Yeah. How how do um, um, and I say the uh, Christian or Catholic religions do they intermingle with some of these these traditions, or do they shy away from them? Ab- absolutely. Um, you know, Hawaii is, is truly a melting pot. Um, we've got so many ethnicities and religions and uh, types of people here that things just blend together. Um, you, you, you could be Hawaiian, Chinese, Portuguese, English, and you could be a Catholic. But mm-hmm. in your services, you're going to have somebody who is going to come and wail for you and, and do uh, the things that are very Hawaiian, that are what we call pono, that are right. And then you might even have people that will come to, you know, a good example, a Buddhist service, and they'll go up and do their offering, their Oshoko, and they'll do mm-hmm. the sign of the cross. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> there's this blending of all of these things that happen in Hawaii. <laughs> Which is, is neat, though. I mean, that's I I enjoy yep. that. Um, I we uh, have uh, been working on an episode about uh, Japanese uh, funeral customs and traditions. We have uh, a large uh, number of listeners in Japan, and uh, we were fortunate enough to speak uh, to someone at Japan's funeral industry trade show, and their their big thing they had introduced was a robot that will perform the Buddhist chants. Um, oh, wow. And you, you rent the robot, and it comes with a Buddhist priest who sits behind and also prays behind. The, but the robot recites all of the the chants uh, for as long as you want them to be recited, obviously, uh, without getting tired <laughs> or losing their voice. And, and I just thought that was, a, a, you know, again, technologically speaking, quite interesting, but it still included the traditional priest. So, you know, the, you had somebody just double checking to make sure that everything was, was right. Um, in Hawaii, there are 
a number. Now, obviously, you have a beautiful, large uh, cemetery, but also as I have traveled around the islands, and I'm I'm thinking about uh, we have a place uh, up near Napili. Uh, there is a very small cemetery, which is, uh, I want to say, maintained by relatives, is my guess, just from the few times I'd strolled through there uh, on a walk. Uh, are there any customs or traditions or, or things that our listeners should be aware of that they should do uh, when they're visiting um, a Hawaiian cemetery or uh, other burial place to show respect um, and, you know, as, as they look around? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting you ask that, that, you know, the traditions and customs in Hawaii are so varied. Uh, you know, we have, as I said earlier, we, our mortuary serves Chinese Buddhist, Taoist, Japanese Buddhist, Filipino, Polynesian, Hawaiian, Catholic, Jewish, Baha'i, Christian, uh, Baptist, the list goes on and on. And everyone has their own ceremony. They're associated with their services. And even at the grave, um, the, what happens at the grave is, uh, really unique and it's not unusual you know for people to uh come to a hawaii cemetery and they go wow especially the bigger ones they'll come here and they'll go look at all these fresh flowers every single grave has fresh flowers tropical flowers on them and uh the most important thing is people know that to know that this be respectful you know you, you'll see people having a party at a grave and that's not unusual. So don't be, you know, go, Oh my gosh, that's nuts. They're doing something disrespectful. You know, people will spend the whole day sitting there and just being with their loved ones. So there really isn't any one particular thing that you have to worry about or do. It's just, if you are, you know, we use say your, your Akamai, use your smarts and you're just respectful. You'll be fine. Well, um, like I said, I have enjoyed our conversation. The clock has caught up to us again. Uh, it always amazes me how quick time flies. Uh, you know, when we're initially talking about this, the thought is, gee, can we fill up an episode with this? Is, you know, is this enough uh, questions and materials and whatnot? And um, all of a sudden, I, I we get through half of the, the list that we had, had prepared, and I'm like, wow, we're out of time. How did this happen? <laughs> Um, is there any other thoughts that you'd like to uh, leave with our listeners before we uh, sign off for today? You know, I, I, I'd like to tell them that in this age of the computers, there's so much opportunity that they can learn about other cultures, uh, other burial practices, other rituals. Uh, it just makes the world a smaller place. And we're fortunate in Hawaii that, you know, we are forced to live with every possible ethnicity and the world is a small place for us and i just hope that people expand their knowledge which it sounds like your uh, podcast listeners are trying to do and just grow and learn and make life better for everybody who's alive i i can second that and i agree with you a hundred percent i i mean i've been blessed to be able to travel all over the world in a number of developing nations. And um, I have always found it's best just to kind of stay cool, go with the flow and respect whatever their tradition and the culture 
is that they're sharing with you because they're giving you a piece of of their life in exchange you get to learn from that and it's amazing what you can learn i know certainly doing this podcast i've learned a tremendous amount and um i thank you because today you have educated our listeners and uh frankly uh, without folks uh, like you giving of your time um we wouldn't be able to do it and i course without our listeners there'd be no reason to do it i want to thank everyone from around the world every time i look at the number of countries that we're uh serving it amazes me and i I just can't believe how how quickly we have been able to grow in 36 countries and if you're listening and you'd like to hear more please do subscribe in itunes apple podcasts the google play music store stitcher and of course the TuneIn app you can subscribe with just one click at our click, I should say, at our um, website, so that you don't miss an episode. Um, you can always email me at jeff at funeralfact.com. And until next time, this is Jeff Casper wishing you great days and good luck. Proceeding broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.